your friends, share the news. The Ask Sue Show is the place to share with you. The story to tell and people to chat. Come with your stories, whether about a dog or a cat. Stand for cruelty. I'm here to bring joy and share to the people. We all help each other and stick like treacle. Have to make a stand. The animals have no voice. Which is really bad for cruelty where animals have no choice. Stand for cruelty. But we as a world have just had enough. So we need to all to get together to build the world of trust. So let's make the stand for Mother Earth. No more suffering as it really isn't deserved. Stand for cruelty. If animals had a religion, humans would be devil. Let's ride the strain that we've been driven by Knievel. Heard it before, this, this is a long road. The cruelty we want to stop, but look how much it's grown. Stand for cruelty. We can all just stop this, but not individually. We can move mountains if we stand together with eternity. I don't want my grandchildren to think this is all okay. Let's stand together, because I'm mean from today. Stand for cruelty. Tomorrow never comes, but cruelty always does. Until someone makes that move, we wait for the karma boat. Whose problem is this? It's society. But when it's happening to us, you cry it's happening to me. Stand for cruelty. We've seen the pain to animals, children, human race too. Let's stop this nonsense, it will take more than me and you. To tell you friends and family to join the new crew, where we will make a difference if you want to. Stand for cruelty. If you want a voice to be heard, just share to the world. Let's help the senior dogs and find a fire to be curled. Join the Ask Sue Show and bring it together. And let's tell the government, all you mother lovers. I hear all of you telling me that you want to make this change. I hear all of you send me all of these different things. Hi and welcome to the Ask Sue Show. I hope you're all okay. Uh, I am just literally signing, sorting out because we've now got the chat room onto the Ask Sue website. So please bear with me. Come and say hello. You just go to AskSueRadioShow.com. Let me say that again. That's www.AskSueRadioShow.com. 
literally go to there and we can all join and chat in there as much as you want. Uh, inviting everybody in there. And uh, also, we've obviously got the chat room on the open on Block Talk Radio, so I will pop on there, but it's so that we can actually talk more direct on there as well. So uh, let me just, um, I'm just trying to sort things out here. Hold on a minute. It's obviously new having us um, within this chat room. Tell them. Um, so I'm just trying to juggle to make sure we've got everybody in there. So let me just uh, go on to see. I think we've got Kristen, I'm hoping, is on this line. Hi, Kristen, are you there? Kristen may not be Sue, but it's me, Jim. Oh, hello, Jim. How are you, darling? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> Saying hello from How are you the doing? Long time no here. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in the sunny Bahamas at the moment. Oh my goodness! Wait, do you know what? They just spoil you too much, don't they? Uh yeah, but that's okay. I don't mind. I mean, it's it's, it's a tough place <laughs> to be, but you know, I'm fighting my way through the snowdrift. Oh wait a minute, that's sand, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Right, now, I think we've got Kristen on. Hold a minute. I might have found her now. Hold a minute. We're getting there slowly. I'm starting right. up this new chat room, and we're, we're, we've got the L plates on tonight, to be fair. Uh, Kristen, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I can't find the chat room. Where to go? It, it, oh, well, the chat room's still in on Blog Talk Radio, but we've actually got it. If you go on to the www.asksueradioshow.com, and literally it's in there. So we've got everybody can go on there. You can, you just literally oh, click onto on the live talk. radio bit. But it's still on there as well. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. It ran anyway, away. I knew, I knew we were going to have errors to start off with this this one. So we'll carry on with the show, and I'll send you a link to it. <laughs> Hi Jim, how are you? I'm good, Kristen. How are you? Good. I didn't know you were coming on the show tonight. Yeah. So what do you want me. to tell people about Dog Shot by Police? We're going to tell them lots of stuff between the two of us. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Where do no, we... The thing is, uh, well, obviously, that? we've done the shows before with regard to <laughs> how things have gone on previously, and we're going to have the people that are listening to the show that are saying we're probably going over stuff a bit, but... We've also got to remember that we've actually got people who are going to be listening in that haven't even known that there is such an issue, or it could be that they've only just had That's their true. dog shot or they're looking for advice. So maybe we should start from maybe the little bit of the beginning and then try and bring ourselves up to scratch of where we are now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that okay, Kristen? Of course. Okay. I think so I've got Kim, a down pat now. Exactly. So, Jim, going back, let's start with, I mean, we're going to have the people that are literally listening into the show tonight, and maybe they've just had their dog shot, or maybe they've had a friend. What advice would you give them as what they should do first? What should be their first port of calls? <clears throat> well... The first, the first thing that we're, we're telling folks when, when their dogs are shot by the police is that if they can, they should retain their dog's body and uh, put it either, and I know it sounds gross, but put it either in the cooler or the freezer 
and then start calling for help because what we're going to want them to do is to have a necropsy, which is the animal version of an autopsy, done on the animal so that we can verify the wound, the direction, and so forth. Um, let me start off by saying, though, that not every time the police shoot an animal are they necessarily wrong. There are going to be times yes. when, when this is appropriate. You know, the officer's life is threatened. Um, Kristen knows about it. We looked at a case not, not long ago where the officer was chased up on top of his police car and had to defend himself. Well, you know, that's, I'm not going to yes. tell anybody they, they, need, they have to be bitten. But um, on the other hand, when you've got cases where dogs are being the victim of immediate deadly force, when they're turned away or moving away or even running away from the police, then we've got another issue going on. And that's, th- those are the cases that Kristen and I and an attorney friend of ours, Jennifer Edwards, and we're putting it together a team to be able to not only address those issues, but to educate the police in alternatives uh, rather than going straight to deadly force. Does that sound pretty on, on cue to you, Kristen? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The only thing I would add to that is, um, and also, because we were looking at a new video that was posted today, and it would be, um, you know, not just if the dog was running away, but if there were other options, like if they're standing right next to their car, they can get in their car, or, you know, just simple things that maybe if you're in a panic mode, you don't consider, because you're, you know, it's a stressful moment or something like that. So just to get better prepared, ready to go, yeah, and not as, right? Right, That's and that's what we're we're pushing for with the education, is to get you know, police officers have lots of training on dealing with threats with people. Mm. So they've got a lot of tools they can use to matter of educating them to apply those tools to animal encounters and to think ahead and to look for other options rather than just, you know, rather than just deploying deadly force against uh, against an animal. I mean, they're in the UK, so you're your police are running around, and typically they're not being bitten and mauled and taken down all the time by dogs. They seem to have a way to figure things out. Most of our animal yes. control officers in the U.S. are not armed, and yes. they seem to be able to do things without necessarily killing everything in sight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing, and this is what we've brought, I mean, we've mentioned this on the show, so those that have already listened to the show previously and saying they're repeating themselves, yes, we are a little bit, but it's like, you know, when we say to people, you know, in the UK, we haven't actually got guns on our police officers anyway, you know, and we've also spoken about the chat, you know, the guys that are, uh, and, and the ladies that are, you know, electrical meter readers or, you know, the postman or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, these people are not equipped with all these things, and they manage. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And we don't hear of such severity of what the police are doing. Yeah, it's, um, you know I mean? there's, so, a lot of, there's a lot of people that seem to be able to deal with dogs without killing them. And I think that it's, you know, it's, for instance, we, we just recently were involved in a case out in Washington State, and 
the legal finding was that the police officer did improperly kill this dog. And, and part of the whole, um, the whole argument behind it was that he had a number of other options that he had been trained in and were actually working at the time that he turned around and shot this dog. And the dog was, was not really a credible threat. But instead of simply going with what was already working, he escalated unnecessarily. And that's, that's where we're trying to, 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 to plug the holes in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some people really just don't know how to deal with dogs. They weren't raised around them. They don't, you know, they're not around them on, you know, at home. And if you're not around a dog on, you know, if you're not used to being around dogs, they can be intimidating. I mean, it's really easy to misread an, a dog. It's very easy. I mean, even when my dog, if they wrestle really rough, I break it up because I can't, even just the sound of it freaks me out sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So what else? So what else would you suggest, Jim? Because you're kind of like the starting point with everything when it comes to like investigations, collecting evidence. Um, I know you've talked about ways of measuring, like taking pictures with a ruler or something like that. Yeah, one of the things we want people to do is to you know. They see it on CSI all the time, so it's not exactly a foreign idea, but document everything you can about a situation if you think it's going to become an, an issue. Take pictures. If there's bullet holes in the side of your house, take pictures of them with a ruler or a measuring tape up next to them so we can not only see where they are, but how big they are and where they were in, in relation to the people and the dog and the officers and so forth. Uh, like I said, hold on to the dog's body. Um, if the police take the dog's body, tell them you want it back and that you do not want it cremated, but that you want it kept intact because you want to have it examined by a, a, a veterinarian. You want to have an autopsy done on that, on that animal. You want to preserve that evidence. If there's if the police get done with what they're doing and they leave and they leave stuff behind like bullet casings or cans of pepper spray or anything like that, take pictures of them. Document what was there. Uh, it's even better if you, when you take pictures, and most cameras do it now, you take it where the date and time are imprinted on the picture when you take it. So nobody can say that you took it two weeks before or two weeks later uh, or whatever, yeah. whatever, so yeah. you can document it. Um, if there are physical, if you find a bullet lodged in something, take pictures of it before you go playing with it. If they haven't taken <laughs> it, um, handle it as little as possible, put it in a plastic bag, keep it locked up someplace so you can maintain proper custody of it so you can say that nobody else <laughs> monkeyed with it. And hang on to things like that until you get to talk to somebody. Um, I, I know that Jennifer's yeah. putting together an, an 800 number that'll be toll-free in the U.S., but if you can't get in touch with, with one of us, um, call your own attorney and get them plugged in early. Um, yeah. th- you, know, you need to move quickly, r- sooner rather than later. Um, 
you know, we're not we're reason, not saying that they're going to be wrong all the time, but but you mm-hmm. need to if, if your property has been taken, and that's what dogs are in the U.S. property. If your property has been taken, and you feel it's been done wrongly, then you need to act in in yours and your pet's best interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing to sort of add to that as well, I mean, there's loads of people, and, and this goes for pretty well anything and everything. Nowadays, you, you hear people say, do you know what, I saw that happen the other day, do you know what I mean? And I'll say to people, well, why didn't you do something? I don't want to get involved. But people have got cameras on their phones and everything now, and I'm going to say to people, if you see a dog being shot by the police and there's nobody else around, for goodness sake, please take a video, because at the end of the day, in a few weeks' time, it could be your own, and you'll wish that somebody videoed yours. Mm-hmm. So even yeah, take if it's video, not take your pictures. actual dog, yeah, pictures, videos, anything. Do you mm-hmm. mean because it's no good saying to the owner later on, "Oh yeah, well I actually saw you police sh- shoot the dog. They were doing this, that, and the other two. It's t- it's just your word against theirs. It's video yeah, it's, evidence, it's t- pictures, and such like. Yeah, it's real tough to argue with a video, and one of the cases yeah. going on in the mid. One of the cases going on in the Midwest that we're involved in, um, the the incident was videotaped, and that is going to be a very important part of that case because there's no denying when you watch the video what the various people in it and the animal in it were doing. I mean, it's right there in yeah. front of you. Yeah. You know, and, and if you, and as, if you as, decide as a, that you do want to go to court, the burden of proof is on you. Not on them. They don't have to prove anything. Only you. So that's what makes the. Uh, that's why re- getting evidence is so important. Because mm-hmm. without exactly it, you right. can't do anything. You can't do anything. Exactly right. If if you're filing action against a police department or against any person, you have to prove that what they did was um, was was unreasonable and should not have been done. And you have to do that to an extent that a jury is potentially going to believe that beyond a reasonable doubt that this conduct was reckless and that this conduct was, was not justified by what was going on. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a saying we've got over here, something about, um, about no, uh, no good doing something after the horse is bolted or something. Right. No good locking... Do you know what I mean? So it's no point in shutting the barn. Be... Yeah, no point in shutting the barn door after the horse is out. That's all. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I'm glad somebody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, though, we've the other important thing have, that um, that is, that you want to do is always file a complaint with the police department. Um, I always just recommend just file an excessive force complaint. It's going to come back justified, and the point isn't for them to – the point really is to just make them retain whatever evidence they may have because they're not going to admit whatever they have. I mean, they always say, like, okay, so if you ask them if they're, it's their dash cam video, the response is, well, you know, all of our cars don't have dash cam videos, and – you know, the lights have to be on for the dash cam video to work, and they won't give you a straight answer. But they, they imply that probably not. Well, oftentimes we find out that there really was. But 
if it's not retained, they record over it at some point. So um, sometimes that can come in handy too. <laughs> yeah, and that's that, that's why a, a local attorney is going to be very helpful to help work with us because mm-hmm. um, um, they're going to know what to go through to say, okay, hang on, here's a, a freedom of information request or what, however they couch it in that jurisdiction. We want. use later so that you can lock it down and the you know and I don't want people to misunderstand us again you know I'm a retired police officer and I'll be the first one if an officer's life is legitimately threatened to to defend that officer and saying you know the the poor guy did what he needed to do but the problem is Mm -hmm. that people we have officers that are making bad choices and I think most of them, you know, there are those that are probably just bad intentioned people, but I think most of them are just that police officers get little to no training on how to deal with, with uh, animals. And they get no training on how to properly um, apply what they already know about use of force to um, animal cases. And, you know, a lot of it is going you know to be something that that makes me think of is me and Robbie were talking about um, the perception of of the threat. And it seems like the perception of the threat is often overly exaggerated, mm-hmm. you know, based on what it really is. And that seems right. to be where it starts. You know, they think it's so much more extreme than what's really happening. When I spoke to the watch commander here, she said, if a dog even tries to jump on me, I'll shoot it. And I was like, excuse me? I didn't, most people I know, their dogs jump on me when I walk in their house. You know, during the summer, I wear jeans way more often than I want to because I don't want my legs to get scratched. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm being attacked, you know, and it doesn't mean that I, you know, have to cause harm to this animal. Um, and, so, and that's where we need to, to teach them to apply <laughs> what they are, what the reasonableness they've already been taught about humans, you know, they say, okay, if a dog comes up and barks at me, I'm going to shoot it. All right, fine. If a person comes up and starts screaming at you, are you justified in shooting them? No, you're not. So just because a dog is yelling at you doesn't mean that you're somehow necessarily (laughs) justified in shooting them. If a person takes a swing at you, um, you may or may not be justified in actually using deadly force against that person. That's not how use of force constraints go. Um, you can, mm-hmm. A police yes. officer can only use the minimum amount of force necessary to accomplish the job, to do the mission they're there for. Now, if, you're, if yes. your mission is to deliver somebody's lost driver's license to them, Basically, the, the force necessary to do that should be zero. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, you're bringing it to them to the front door, for instance, but you could also put it in, a, in, a, in an envelope with a stamp and mail it to them. Or you could call them and ask them to come to the police station. You could have the dispatcher call them and ask them to come out to the road and get it from you because you're being a nice guy. You know, yeah, they have the um, speakers over their phone. They don't even have to come on your property if they don't want to. <laughs> Get on the siren and use the, the loudspeaker and go, hey, guys, uh, could somebody come out? I've got uh, Joe Blow's driver's license here and would really like to, mm-hmm. like to be a helpful person and get it back to them. 
you know, yes. there's now are these things that are that are commonly um, like our officers trained on to do those sort of things? Are those problem solving solutions that they're taught? Well, that's like, one of the that things we need to right do. Now? Is that's one of the things we need to do. They're they're taught that you know the way they're taught is that, for instance, returning a driver's license, you don't shoot somebody to give them their driver's license back. <laughs> um, we need to to educate them that they need to use the same amount of sense when it comes to to dealing with pets. We need to, you know, we don't need to shoot the pet to give your driver's license back. There's a mm-hmm. case, I don't have all the details, but the, um, the police were going to a house to tell people that their son had been murdered. And in the course of yeah, going to the yeah. door to tell them that the, the son had been murdered, they shot and killed their dog. That's kind, of heaping, that, that's kind of heaping insult to injury. Um, hello, Yay. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, not only is your kid dead, but I just whacked your dog in the front yard. Have a nice night. <laughs> that doesn't come over real and well. that's the attitude, too, unfortunately. I mean, I, Sometimes, I think that, sadly. Um, that I think it's, you know, often misconstrued that if they show compassion that it's emitting guilt, but really the compassion itself goes a long way. There was a woman out in D.C., and I mean, she has a slam dunk case. She's going to get millions out of them probably. I'm not even joking. And she waited a year. And she said, I waited a year for an apology. Now we're going to court. If you can't say you're sorry, that's all I wanted. I just wanted you to act like you cared, even a little bit, what you did to me. And so it's over now. And they're going to really regret it, you know. I mean, compassion does i mean just showing a little bit of compassion can go a long way but i guess yeah, and there, I mean, and they there also have, have risk where, management you know on in the background saying or pr risk management you mm-hmm. know don't imply this don't imply that so that's always a factor as well and there have been yeah. cases where officers have had to do things like this and and afterwards they have been so shook up and terribly upset and the people have recognized it and they've gone you know, it's been a situation where everybody realizes they're, they're upset. The officer's upset because they have pets. Yeah. And, and face it, most police officers, just like most people these days, have a pet of some kind. And most of them really don't want to kill somebody's, somebody else's pet. So part of our thrust and is also, to, to teach these I, guys I was, that they don't have to. Gee, you there? The other thing, yeah, I'm here. Christine's still on. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Okay. Am I? Uh, I was going to ask you a question, then I changed my mind. I felt like everyone was waiting for me to ask, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get off, uh, before we get off the investigation stuff, can you um, let Heather? Is Heather waiting on the line by chance? Heather, are you there? Yeah. I was just going to say, hold on one second. I wanted to get, hold a minute now, area code 702. Hi, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Hello, can you hear me? on? You are live on the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. This is Gina Grayson with Nevada Voters for Animals. Thank you for having me. Hi, Gina. How are you? Hello. I'm fine. 
was wondering if everyone forgot about me over here in Las Vegas. Yay, now everyone's going to know who you are. I'm so excited. Gina's awesome. Oh. She, like, is saving the world down in Nevada, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so, so tell us about what you're doing then as well. Well, actually, we are working. Um, I, I started working. I'm glad that I've now joined forces with Kristen. Um, we had, I've been working for a long time, for many years. We've had some high-profile dog shootings here in southern Nevada. Well, last January, um, there was a very high-profile shooting of a dog named Bubba, and um, the community really came together. It was like that was sort of the, the line in the sand, and we did protests. We, we even went to the Welcome to Las Vegas sign and held a huge protest because in this case, the police responded to a shots fired call uh, about two streets away, but ended up in this particular backyard, even though there was a big beware of uh, dog sign on the fence. And there were even still party balloons from a children's party from the day before. They entered the yard without permission, even though the entire family was home. They didn't bother to knock on the door and ask them to secure their pets or go and, you know, enter the backyard. And they went in, and a dog named Bubba uh, came running out of a little casita that was behind the house, and they, the officer shot it between the eyes. And thankfully, the, the owner of the dog, uh, one of the owners, had the, the wherewithal to, in the midst of all of this, horror and his family being detained and people arrested and they were manhandling them and the whole family was outside trying to figure out what was happening, he snapped a photo of the dog because many times they won't let you do that. And in fact, they told the family that he was just um, tranquilized. And then when they finally, you know, they were not letting them go around the side of the house, they realized that the dog was laying in a pool of blood. So um, we did file, I know there was an internal affairs complaint filed on that case, but that sort of really was the tipping point here in Las Vegas. Since then, we have ended up, we've done FOIA requests, uh, freedom of information requests on other shootings, and it turns out they don't really track these cases. But we know that, I believe it was 43 in the last two years for all the local jurisdictions, and those are just the ones they're tracking. Um, there's been some other really awful ones like Freckles, the dog, that um, had jumped a fence because the kids were taunting it. And uh, they, the police officer saw this, and the dog was barking at some kids. And the only thing he could think of to do was to gas the engine and run the dog over and drag it down the street. So we've had some – there was another one. Uh, there's been a bunch. But lately, the, the really high-profile one that we're very excited about um, – in the, le in the legal area is the uh, Louisa Thurston case with the city of North Las Vegas, where North Las Vegas SWAT team goes in and slaughters this woman's two dogs when they're serving a, a high-risk warrant. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found that it was unreasonable and even questioned whether the dogs had actually attacked. So, and then the city of North Las Vegas appealed that decision uh, to have a full hearing before the court, and that was denied just a few weeks ago. So, uh, and we're also working on a bill right now for the 2015 legislative session that would require mandatory training so we can prevent these deadly incidents from occurring between a police and our pets. That's great. And, and, the, th and the thing is this, with 
providing that training is actually, I think, going to be the answer to a lot of this. And uh, something Heather said there is, is very true. Until Kristen came along, really, there wasn't anybody that was tracking how many of these were happening. And Kristen has been instrumental in, in being the, the spider in the middle of her web there, getting this together. How many did we decide there were? I'm doing a count right like? now. I'm doing a count right now. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. For this year or last year? Last year, I'm doing a count. Okay. Because um, I, I know in, we're... In, in a little bit. Okay. Um, okay, great. Well, then when you get that, we can do it. But I, I know there's just a huge amount of these all over the U.S. And it's, it's surprising how many. And, you know, I, I think that probably most of these are avoidable. Uh, in a high-risk warrant, uh, you can't tell me they didn't go to, before they served this warrant to do some surveillance on the property so they knew if the bad guys were there. And here's my other issue with that. I heard um, an interview done, and it was a cop block interview, but it was actually a pretty good interview because he, it was after all of the Columbia SWAT raids that just, I mean, they were all on video, gunning down all these dogs, running away. I mean, it was just massacres. It was horrible. And um, so he called up, and he, and he just asked them about their gear, just simply like, what do you wear? What is on your body? So if you're, if you're going in with gear to protect yourself from bullets, what can a dog do to you? Like how, how much of a threat can a dog really be that you have to run in with a machine gun and gun them down, you know? Um, and, I, and that's something that, you know, that I, that I, you know, I don't care really why they're there. I mean, the dog really can't do that much to them. Now if it's a pack of dogs that can knock them down, I mean, and we're talking something different or, you know, crackhead has the gun pointed at you and dogs are running at you. You're probably just going to start shooting at everything. Um, and the thing is this, for instance, Sue, over there, over there in the UK, um, your, your dangerous dog officers have protective gear and they wear it all the time. I know some of them. Yeah. Yep. But, the, do you know, I but even animal the, control, you, yeah, yeah, but we, have, we have, see, you have animal control. We have dog wardens and things, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the funny part is, is when we were speaking to, um, oh, my goodness, I can't remember his name, Chief somebody from wherever, I can't remember, from America, and we were, I was telling him exactly the same thing, and his words back were, yes, but you haven't got pit bulls. And I'm like, yes, you do. This is the sort of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the funny part is, they've got no idea. So, so okay, so we haven't got pit bulls, but the reality, the reality check is, we've got Rottweilers, we've got all these other dogs as well. All of them can be dangerous, dependent on how they've been brought up. Yeah, you if it's got teeth, it, if it's got yeah. teeth, it can hurt you. Let's face it. Exactly. Um, you know. And well, let's, but let's look at animal control. They're the people that if there is a dangerous or a vicious dog running the street and biting somebody, right, you call in animal control. Well, our animal control are not, are, must use non-lethal means of capturing dogs. I mean, right. and by the way, they deal with very emotional people. When you call in an animal control complaint, it is, it is the line is recorded because it's considered mm -hmm. one of those highly emotional situations where people, you know, are very protective of their animals. 
Um, and animal control is taught and trained to go in, and they deal non-lethally. They don't have lethal means to deal with the vicious or dangerous dogs that people are calling in. So surely, right. you know, a trained, a professionally trained police officer can get some additional training to learn how to deal non-lethally. And I think that's the thing is that, or I should say not non-lethally, but less lethally. There's less a lethal, continuum yeah. of force. Yeah, that you, you don't pull out the gun, but see, I don't know if, you know if anyone follows what goes on here because everyone has their own problems, but in southern Nevada, we had an issue with um, the police killing people, <laughs> and I worked on that issue also. So, you know, it's, there's, a, you know, there's this instant reaction to sort of go to deadly force with, you know, or, or to um, escalate a situation rather than de-escalate a situation. And as Kristen was saying earlier, if you show up, and in so many of these videos you see this, when a police officer shows up and sees a dog in a yard or something, you know, wait for animal control or call it in or call for backup, whatever. Don't just blare through the gate like what happened in Phoenix last week and then just shoot the dog. You know, there's, mm -hmm. this is part of the family. And then if you think the situation's already highly emotional, it's going to be even worse when you just shot someone's family member, whether it be a two-legged or four-legged family member. Um, you know, there's, exactly. there's, there's just so many, yeah, so many of the cases yeah, exactly. are so when preventable. I, yeah, when um, I just started an and I just spoke uh, a month or so ago to the uh, – Florida Animal Control Association, where we had all the animal control officers for Florida gathered together. And I've spoken to the National Animal Control Association, and 90% or better of the animal control officers of the U.S. are not police officers, so they're not sworn officers with firearms. And yet, those guys go out every day, every night, day in, day out, and are capturing dogs, taking dogs away from people dealing with animals that are, that are everything from Fluffy to Cujo, and they're managing to do it. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, there's, 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 there's plenty of, of example out there. Uh, Heather mentions the use of force continuum, and that's something that, that progressive use of force is something I teach, and we're trying to get established in both departments and in laws around the country to recognize you, the, the, that you only meet a, a threat, a, a reasonable threat, um, with the minimum force necessary. And, you know, I've, I've had officers tell me, well, I'm afraid of dogs. Okay, I could care less if you're afraid of dogs. I, I don't like high places. And yet, there were times in my career as a police officer, I had to be up on top of a bridge 200 feet off of the, the, the St. John's River, looking through the metal grate at the river below and, and talk to some guy trying to jump or work a traffic accident. The fact that I didn't like being up there didn't impact the fact that I still had to do my job. I couldn't just say, okay, right. you wanna, I'm going to be down here on the ground. And if you want to jump, you're gonna, if you don't want to jump, you're going to have to yell down to me half a mile away. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not being funny. You can give me the dog situation anytime. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, one of the things that, that the law in, in the state says is that um, when evaluating whether someone's behavior is legally reasonable, you cannot take into account things like prejudices and personal fears. 
you have to look at what a reasonable person would do um, in that situation. So just because you're animal phobic doesn't mean you get to shoot everything that's moving. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. So how many, Kristen, are we reckoning on last year? I'm opening Excel now. I have to enter them in. Melissa, are you listening yet? Yes, we're listening. No. (laughs) Melissa. She was looking for Melissa. Uh, Whoever Melissa is. I can do it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to... I'm trying to juggle at the moment two chat rooms. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it's not fun. <laughs> it's driving me balmy. But I'll have to sort while this out with counting, my website you, helper. <laughs> while, while Kristen is counting, Sue, do you have somebody on the line that wants to ask a question? Yeah, yeah I've, then, um, I've actually, hang on. Hang on. I'm going to give you the area code. It's 814. And there's nobody on here on 814. Oh. Not yet. Okay. No. We'll check them in a minute. Um, I think we've got Eddie who wants to have a quick word as well. Hi, Eddie. How are you doing? Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Hello. Hi, Sue. How Hi, are you Kristen. doing? Uh, Kristen's voice sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Eddie. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Sue. Hi, Eddie. How are you doing? Very well. No. I've been going through some issues, but, you know, uh, my passion, as all our, our passion are, is to make sure that uh, our, this cause goes forward uh, and, and, and to have success in it, you know. And it's something that uh, has started uh, within, uh, within reason, you know. And uh, sometimes I, I think to myself, you know, Right now, um, uh, I think I, I was sharing a little bit with Kristen. Um, the, the training program here that, that I, I stepped forward because I said something, someone had to do something. We just can't talk about it. You know, we can't right. chat about it. You know, I mean, I, we see it on Facebook. Uh, because of the mobile technology, which can be used for power in getting things done, uh, you know, it has to be done. But we have to address the people that can make change, you know. And uh, I said, well, I will address the sheriff. And the only reason that he had open ears is because I was so diplomatic with him. Uh, and, you know, uh, his commander uh, who... I'll never forget these words. And he says, Eddie, you know, uh, we will work on common ground. I can disagree with you. You can disagree. But you know what? We never had a disagreement. We never had a disagreement of anything. But, you know, if if, if we work on common ground, even if people disagree in certain areas or whatever, but the, the most important thing is to get the job done. And we're talking about, when we, when we, when we talk about uh, animals, the dogs, they're getting shot. Dogs, it, this past winter, it was dogs that were being left out in the cold, freezing weather. Uh, even if it's a, 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 a great Pyrenees that have thick coats, 
but to endure a blizzard, the only animals that can endure that kind of weather are Arctic animals, penguins, polar bears, you know, seals. These are the animals that can endure this type of weather. It's not a domestic animal that can endure this type of weather uh, all day long. Now, uh, as a summer approaches, the weather is breaking. I've seen it uh, in the last couple of days. People are getting a little bit too loose. They, they want to cut their dogs loose off leash in a park. Yep. Why, why would you? Yes, what's going to happen? And the other day I had a dog run up to my dog. My, my dog, the other dog was friendly. I, I can tell he was friendly, but because of the way he was coming at my dog, my dog took it as an attack, a threat. So obviously he reacted to that. You see, so we, you know we got to use some common sense here and follow the laws. And sometimes my question is why? Sometimes uh, animal control doesn't uh, monitor these parks. And you know, if somebody has to get a summon, just just someone so they has learn, a lot of background noise, and I can't hear. I don't know who it is, but. Background. It sounds like not, banging pipes or something. Oh, it's, yeah. no, it's not on this end. Um, okay. So you know, but anyway, the the training is gone, and and this came from the uh, the instructor, uh, Reno uh, Di Domenico. He is the director of animal control for the Humane Society here in Rochester, and he is the instructor. Um, this was an initiative with a, a community canine group, which is Canine Partners in Monroe County, with the Humane Society and the Sheriff's Department. Uh, they included the Humane Society because they have the funds. One of the reasons that uh, some police departments shy because they always bring up budget, budget, money, you know. Yeah, so, money is always a deal. Yes, thing, but Eddie, tell them all who's getting trained now. Because it's not just oh. the sheriff's department. No, no, no. And, and, and Reno, he told me that he is training the U.S. Marshals here in, and the parole officers. I mean, I, I, I almost fell back when he told me that because this was uh, obviously uh, for the, the sheriff. Now, Monroe County uh, obviously is the only county in the country. We have cities like Fort Worth. Uh, Cindy Boiling had reached out to me. Because she said that the Fort Worth chief didn't see anybody doing anything. We got a, uh, I, I believe Austin, and of course Colorado. They did pass their, their, their bill into law, you know. But and their training and, starts and, next year. Yeah. But then there's and, also um, California's put in some training as well. Uh huh. Okay. And I think yes. Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin, they put out a notice that they were going to. Um, get training, but I never heard follow up of you know about what they did. It's kind of on my list of things to do. Is call right, find out. Right, but, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Why is it, in in our city here, the meter readers that go to the same houses that the police officers go into, they get trained. They they actually, and I saw one in action because two dogs went up them. And they carry a little of a pound with a tennis ball at the end of it, you know. But they know. The first thing he did is he, he froze. He stood still. And the dogs, you know, they, they stopped. The dogs, as soon as he stopped, the dogs stopped. 
and then they retreated. Okay, so th- there's there's ways, and then um, UPS, UPS, many of the drivers they carry they carry um, those uh, milk bones. They, they want to give them time so the dog can chew them because they have to deliver packages. So if these people get this training, why can't police officers? This should be something fundamental that goes along with their other training. Whatever they are, uh, you know, their other uh, law enforcement training, this should be one of them because many times you have a, uh, you, you get somebody stopped with a, do- a dog in the car. Well, the dog, hey, Eddie, the dog, I want to go back to your stick thing because I, I, I spoke with uh, Sherry Travis out in Chicago, Illinois, and she is um, a sheriff out there, and she is also supporting the training legislation and working with Sleedy and um, a group of other people. I don't know everyone involved, but I spoke to her, and she was telling me how, you know, they have to do eviction. So they encounter dogs all the time. Um, and she said what they use is they just use like a – it's like a two-by-four that's four feet long. She said when they walk in, they just use it to guide the dogs into a room, and then they shut the door. Poof, done. And she said last year they only shot one dog. Wow, and it was magic. Because they said that um, the vocal cords had been removed, so they didn't realize the dog was there, and it all just happened too fast. But that's still really good. I mean, one shooting a year, I mean, that seems yeah. more reasonable than – one a day, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Because that's what we're looking at, you know? So, I mean, some exactly. police departments are shooting one a day. I mean, it's, it's the big ones, you know? So, I yeah. was like, yeah. that's genius, and it's completely affordable. Like, any any department yeah. can get that. Exactly. Yeah. Very, well, very think, good. Yeah. Eddie, uh, um, uh, we're uh, going to move on to the... Go ahead. Sorry, go, go on, Eddie. Go ahead. I, I was just going to mention something that uh, I, I, I heard before is that uh, in, in the U.K. there's no pit bulls, but they do allow American staffishers, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, it's weird because know, they, 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 they say that the – go, go ahead. Sorry, go on. No, uh, they, actually, they're, they're, they're part of the, 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 the pit bull uh, family. Exactly. It, it's such a it's such a, a funny line because the funny part is there is pit bulls here, but then they're always put under another level, which which then goes into another show of the BSL laws and everything else that goes with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, listen, um, Eddie, I'm going to have to move on to the next caller, but thanks so much for calling in anyway, and uh, it's been good okay. to catch up again. Okay, thank you. Okay, Bye, cheers, Eddie. Eddie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, we've got your area code 814 on now, Kristen. Hi, yeah. welcome to the Hi. show. Um, the one thing I just heard someone say, read selective legislation, and I think the thing that's most important to understand is it's how they're being raised. We have violent offenders who are aggressive people wanting to get potentially aggressive dogs. Maybe it should be owner-specific legislation. If we wouldn't give these people a gun, why would you give them a dog that could potentially be harmful? It's not the dog's fault. It's the owner and 
Gina, well, okay, it's someone if you else. Back to, really loud. If, yeah, if um, you listen back to the previous um, Ask Sue shows, you'll actually hear me, and I'm sure, Jim, you can back me up on this. I actually mentioned only for specific legislation ages ago, and I said mm-hmm. we need to be able to sort it so that people have dogs the same way as they have to have cars. In the sense or, of... Or even guns for that matter. Them. Sorry? Or even guns for that matter. A, a felon or a violent offender is not allowed to have a gun. Why well, we give them a potentially dangerous dog because they raise them to be dangerous. The dog well, itself the is, and it's how they're raised. We've got to be yep. careful with that because, you know, a dog by breed is not inherently dangerous. It's any breed of dog. And well, that's so what I'm saying. Going, yeah, we need to make sure that we don't get caught in the trap of saying, oh, well, we're not going to let felons have German Shepherds or Pit Bulls or whatever. We've got to to make sure that, the, that we need to make sure that irresponsible people just simply aren't allowed to have pets. Either that or they have to go through some sort of mandatory training in order to teach them how to raise them. But I I think that (laughs) – The the other thing thing is – sorry, you're saying about the fact that we could train them to actually have a dog and everything else, but then that doesn't work because you can have people that have have done something wrong, we put them through the training, and two months later, would you believe it, they're doing it again. Oh, yeah. so you're absolutely it also right comes, about that. So it, there'd have to be some checks and balances. Yeah, but the thing is, it's actually something that some it? of us have been talking about is figuring out some sort of, um, and, and this is like probably going to be a little bit later down the road, of course. But you know, some sort of, some sort of owner responsibility aspect of everything. You know, because I mean, in some cases, I mean, it really. I mean, the owner is specifically, in some of these cases, putting the dog in danger, you know, and creating that environment. Um, yeah. Someone has their phone ringing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's not me. And one of, you know, but, I mean, it gets really complicated, and it's really hard, you know, with backyard breeders and things of, like that. I mean, it it's not an easy thing, and it requires you know, in an involved community, you know, to hold each other accountable and not look the other way. And as long as everyone looks the other way, nothing's really going to change because no one's going to call and say, hey, this guy over here is doing this. You know, we need to, you know, get him a ticket or whatever. You know, until people are willing to get involved, nothing's going to change. And they get involved after the fact. That's the problem. Once the dog's bitten somebody or has acted aggressively or something that happens where they're getting shot by police, then that's when people get involved. And it's, I think that, that more education has to be taught on the value of, of these fur babies to their owners or their caregivers, for that matter, mm-hmm. because... People just say, oh, if they're aggressive, shoot them. Well, what is aggressive? That's the problem, right. is they're unable to determine what's aggressive and what is non-aggressive behavior. So how do you know he was aggressive? You know, and um, to talk about the animal control, here in Erie, Pennsylvania, we have an animal control officer who is very highly trained. In five years or 15 years, he's probably had to put five dogs down because it was an absolute emergency necessity. He's been bit many times, 
and does not put the dog down. He has extensive training. However, that only works if they're called. Mm-hmm. Because the right. dog and, and, in Erie that was just called March 1st, that killed March 1st on his own property, animal enforcement was never called. The cops were the one that were called. And they're like, oh, there wasn't time because he was going to attack them. Well, when you dispatched police, could you not have dispatched animal control at the same time? Yeah. Exactly. And, and that case in Erie is very, is very disturbing because of the, the fact that there, there should have been options available to those guys. Right, and they were going up to the door to knock, and the other police officer was walking down the side of the porch with the gun up, like ready to shoot, and as soon as the dog kind of turned the corner, he was shot. And not only that, there was no blood trail, so it's even questionable as if he was even shot the first time. Oh, Heather, tell, tell everyone a little bit about what you have done. I mean, she has not had a dog shot by police. She's an advocate for people. Like, she shows up and takes pictures and interviews witnesses. And, um, and Heather, and Heather, Heather give, everybody a little back, give everybody a little background on the case, because they may not realize this is something, that this was the case where the dog was killed in the shed. Yes. Um, Titan was a, um, a three-year-old Rottweiler here in Erie, Pennsylvania, his mom and his family had just moved from an abusive relationship into a house in a not-so-great neighborhood. He, um, he was there not even 24 hours. Friday, um, he got there, which would have been, what, the, the 30th or, no, the 28th of February. He had just gotten there, and animal control was called because he was on the roof. Animal control had contact with the dog, deemed he was not aggressive. There wasn't a problem. Just keep him off the roof type thing. So... Um, because of remodeling and moving, mom had him in the room with her, and when the daughter woke up, she put him out, and they had one of those hiker clips that as soon as, you know, how you push it and it releases, mm-hmm. and the chain had wrapped around it in such a way that it released him. So he, a neighbor witness, didn't know the dog, so she didn't get involved, but she did watch him, and he was just going in between the two um, houses, brand new to the neighborhood, you know, trying to probably figure out where the heck he's at, and a postman, who I will give you a small backstory, was bit by a Rottweiler the week before in that area. I believe he assumed that was the same dog because um, police reports, when I spoke to the chief of police, he said, oh, he bit him the week before. Well, Titan was not even in the area. He was across the other side of town, and when I talked to Animal Control, they said it wasn't Titan. It was another dog altogether, and there's many Rottweilers in that area. So they, um, as soon as police arrived when he was dispatched, and, and the, the postman said, no, he's not hurting anybody, but I'm afraid he will. And that's probably his own fear from being bit the week before. Um, by the same type of dog. So the cops, as soon as they get there, the police, I'm sorry, they um, load their shotgun immediately. A neighbor asks, what are you doing? Um, he's not hurting anybody. And they're like, don't worry, we won't hurt him. One cop goes, police officer, goes up to the door to knock. The other one's walking along the side of the porch and Titan's sniffing around, coming to the end. I don't even think he knew they were there, and they shot him. He ran away. Um, there was no blood trail in the snow, so we don't even know he was shot the first time. And six police officers searched the neighboring yards for him. They found him about 500 feet away in a shed and shot him three additional times when he was no longer a danger. So, so the, the, there's several questions that, that, you know, that have to be asked there. And it's, the first one would be, okay, 
it, why did you put your shotgun in your hand instead of putting your pepper spray in your hand? Because pepper spray is almost 100% effective, even against the biggest dogs. Right. Um, the other, my other question is, immediate question is, why did they feel they had to finish him off? If right. he was already shot, then yes. you have animal control taking to the vet. Um, if you have somebody run over in the street and they're critically injured, you don't go, uh, you ain't going to make it. Good luck. And shoot them and finish the <laughs> They don't suffer. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. And like I said, it's questionable as if not whether, whether or not he was shot the first time because there was no blood trail in the snow. And if they were worried so, about him being a threat and he was in a shed, close why they the, shut door. the door. Right. And so that, if they didn't hit him, exactly. And if they didn't hit him the first time and they shot him three times in the shed, that was a straight execution. It's also a violation of the Fourth Amendment because of curvilege laws that say you have a reasonable expectation of privacy in a certain area around your home. The only way police can go on it is one of three things a warrant, which they didn't have, exigency, which is an emergency, which there really wasn't one, and permission, which if they would have continued to walk up to the door and knock, they would have been able to tell Titan's owners or mom, hey, your dog, yeah. she would have gotten them and he would still be alive. There were six cops and one couldn't go to the door and try to get the, get the right. owner. Especially after they shot him once, they could have gone to the owner. Now, if he was injured and they felt they needed to finish him off, I believe that should have been the, uh, the caregiver's decision, Titan's mom, of whether or not she wanted to try to seek medical care for him or he should be put down because that was her property. They seized her property with no reason. Mm-hmm. And animal control was upset because he should have been called. He takes his um, very dedicated man. He takes his um, van home every night and is on call twenty four seven. But that only works if he's called. Right. And I think that one of the big things is is because of the fact that um, Titan was a Rottweiler and the postman had been bit by a Rottweiler the week before. He was shot due to mistaken identity. They thought, oh, this is a nuisance dog. He's already bit somebody. Owner's irresponsible. Let's just get it over with. Well, the, the and other that might even be an argument then, right? If they, if they went there with the understanding that it was the people from the week before, so with the knowledge that they had at that moment in time, you know, do you know where I'm going with that, Jim? Yeah, but but just thinking that it was a dog that had bit somebody previously really isn't necessarily justification to go. It's not justification, to go though. To, to go no. walking in with a shotgun, and that doesn't establish <laughs> uh, due that doesn't establish due process for the seizure of the property. Uh, what it does is it says, okay, maybe this dog has bitten somebody before, so I tell you what, let's get I'll animal enforcement. <laughs> Yeah, I'll put my pepper spray in my hand. You put your uh, your, your baton in your weak hand, and um, we'll we'll keep an eye on what's going on here until the animal control guy gets here, and then we'll let him get this. That's his job. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's where you have to start thinking in advance. Um, when I when I teach police officers how to deal with these things, um, it's guys put your brain in gear first. You're supposedly the top of the food chain, so act like it. Act like you've got more sense yeah. than the dog does. And, and it being winter, how much clothing do you think they had on? They had quite a bit. I mean, if he did go at them, well, you, you know, see the- that doesn't. You don't, we don't even need to really argue that. It's prepare first because 
if you use less lethal force and it doesn't work, then you, then you have done what you need to do. Um, right. The other thing is that where you actually start is with going, no, doggy, stop. And if you try that first, a lot of times it works. The dog stops and goes, oh, excuse me. And suddenly the, the situation is in control. Instead Absolutely. Of yeah, and also I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot of police officers where they start running backwards, which first of all is dangerous because you can fall. Um, but second oh, yeah. of all, it, it's going to induce it's going to make the dog want to start coming towards you. <laughs> you know, you're you're kind it, of it, it, telling them, hey, yeah, start it, running. It, it excites, it, running excites the prey drive, and if there's going to be a exactly. bite, that's going to make it more likely. Um, that's mm -hmm. why you teach. Don't move, because most dogs have a personal space, just like we do. And very right. often they will run up to a threat at, and stop at the edge of their personal space and give warning, barking, snarling, you know, whatever, to see what you're going to do. Because if you right. slowly back away, the dog is probably going to stop, because no species that automatically gets in a fight with everything it sees is going to survive. It's just not part of the plan. You know, you, you can't get in a fight with everything that might kick your butt and, and, and live long enough to reproduce because something's going to mm -hmm. hurt you, at, at, bet, at least hurt you on a regular basis, and, and, and that's not productive for survival. It, it isn't. And here's, here's one of the things that um, bother me the most, and it's almost like your standard grandma's, is we are basing – our actions or their actions on a feeling. I felt he was aggressive. I felt threatened. You cannot measure a feeling. If another officer would have showed up that day, or even the animal control officer, Titan might still be here right now. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the thing. If we're basing things on a feeling, which is very subjective, I mean, there has to be more clear expectations. Huh? Well, it has to be held to that reasonability standard. You know, that's right, what, exactly. That's what, is it reasonable? In, You're on here. Yeah, and, and in, in court, especially in federal court, where I've been now and won several times, is, you know, would the, the, the reasonable person find this to be a credible threat? And officers are taught that, you know? You've got somebody standing there, and they're 10 feet away from you, and they're screaming and yelling they're going to kill you, and they have a banana in their hand like Monty Python's did. <laughs> you can't shoot them for wielding a, a, being armed with a banana. That's not in Florida. You can though. And, no, and, and, see, Florida, Florida people are using Florida um, and bending it completely out of shape, and it, it really depends on whether you're a white guy shooting at a black kid. Um, well, that, actually, that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Trayvon Martin. Actually, I'm talking about a gentleman who was robbing stereos, and the owner of the vehicle had looked out the window and saw that a stereo was being robbed went in the house, grabbed a knife, chased the guy down, stabbed him to death, took the stereos he had stolen because he had stolen quite a few, and sold those stereos, by the way, and got away with it. Or the, yeah, which, the which road rage. Which, yeah, which should not have happened because right. the, the intent of the original self-defense was if the guy is coming in your house, you can, you can hold right. yourself. But no, you can't go pursuing them and like I said that's, <laughs> that's one of the problems we've got in Florida is people have bent that so far out of shape that the the original intent has become completely, become completely lost and we're they're going to the legislators can 
legislature is going to have to fix it. It can't stand the way it is. Well, I know Scott Brown, I believe, isn't he the governor of Florida or something like that? I know he said there's no changes yeah. he's going to make, but I'm just staying different, out of different Florida. Different Scott. Scott. Scott Brown is the thug from uh, from uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> Rick Scott no, is Scott. the thug from Florida. Okay, Rick Scott. Um, well, um, Scott, <laughs> isn't it Scott, Scott Walker? Scott Walker is Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah he's He's a right. he's a Republican. Now Republicans and Republicans are different. Don't get me. I mean, you got really good Republicans, and you got really bad Democrats. So you know, I just right. consider myself neutral. But Scott Walker is a Republican, and yeah. he's a bully. And that's what the, some of these uh, Governor Corbett in Pennsylvania <laughs> is is mm-hmm. a Republican, and he's he's fracking crazy, if you ask me. But um, <laughs> I made a t-shirt yeah. that said that and people were looking going yes you're right but the, the big <laughs> thing is, is that we have to have bigger standards on what is like you said reasonability on how we can measure fear because I could be fearful of a man just because I've been beaten or whatever it may be from a man on the street mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that every guy I see I can just run around shooting them because I'm fearful for my life somebody can no. give me a smirk and I can go, oh, my God, that means I'm in danger. And we can use, they can start to use that, just like in the Michael Dunn case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had loud music. Oh, that was threatening. That, that's silly. And so we have to yeah. come up with a more concrete standard of why you would think that you are in danger. If you can retreat, you still should. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is that we also have to remember that when it comes to police officers having been one and retired, Police officers are even held to a higher standard because it's not always what would a reasonable person do, but what would a reasonable, well-trained officer do based on his experience and training and the tools and options available to him. And I agree, as police officers, we should be held to a higher standard because we have... a regular citizen... If a, a regular citizen would have shot, right, if a regular citizen would have shot Titan, they would have had animal cruelty charges, disturbing a firearm, endangering the, the welfare, they would have a destruction of property, all kinds of different charges placed on them. But because yeah, it was a police officer, well, you said potentially or essentially? Uh, potentially, yeah, they, they could have had that. And, but again, when you've got a police officer involved, you actually have a higher standard. So even if the Titan situation would be, well, okay, if, if Joe Blow, would, it was, for instance, if this was different, it was Joe Blow at his house and he went out to his shed and there's a strange dog in there growling at him and he shot him, that would be one thing. But these were trained police officers that had less lethal tools, that had training in less lethal tools, and had the option of calling animal control right from where they were standing. So that has to be held to an even higher standard of reasonability. You're right. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right about that. And he, I am, um, I'm a, going for my master's in criminology and just had a class of um, criminal psychopathology. And psychopaths such as Ted Bundy and, and others we looked into and found out that not everybody is violent psychopaths. I mean, usually they have no other mental illness other than that they're psychopaths and no um, emotions, parasitic lifestyle, so on and so forth. One of the main characteristics is that they torture and shoot animals. They kill animals. Yeah, that's where they start. That's where they start is they start with right. usually torturing animals. Then they, and then if they proceed to torturing the animals and setting them on fire, they're usually a sexual predator. <laughs> and that's what you can use as 
a warning sign with children mm-hmm. is you see them that they lack the compassion and so forth. Um, right. But the, but the, the, look, the sit- go ahead. Um, we look at these, these officers. The other thing is, is they're very charismatic. People don't know they have these problems. People, they can hide psychopathy, if that's how you would say it, very, very well. So they go through these. I, had, I knew someone who was a psychopath, and a doc, he said he could get any diagnosis he wanted or didn't want because they're that clever. So now you get this to be a warning sign and a red flag when you have cops that are shooting dogs. They need a psych eval to make sure that we don't have some person that, you know, bypassed the system because they were charismatic and smart enough to do so to get a badge and a gun and be running mm-hmm. around our, our communities. Yeah, well, that's well, a, that's a, a matter of, of early screening. Are asking but, for that. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and there's supposed to be screening. There's supposed to be that kind of screening in place. The problem I think we have, though, is, and, and from now being involved in a, in a number of cases and having been there, done that, got to teach. I mean, I went 23 years on the streets as a police officer, never shot the first animal. I can't say that about anybody that had it coming. But the, the animals, there was never a need to do that. But what we, we need to reach out to these guys, and what I'm trying to, to push, and I know Kristen is, is too, is that um, they have tools they have already been given. They just need right. to be informed and taught that those tools are just as, if not more appropriate, to be used in an animal case than, than they are in a human case. And that there is already, it's, we don't have to invent the, reinvent the flat tire. It's already out there. They have the skills. You don't have to teach them the difference between less lethal and lethal force. They know it. You don't have to teach them the use of force uh, matrix or continuum. They know what it is. You just have to yeah. tell them, use your brain and use the tools you got, guys. You can do this. It's not that hard. It's not rocket surgery. I think I really do think a lot of the problem is the um, the the misconception of the threat. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. where um, these perceptions are coming from, but I mean, it is. I mean, dogs bite that like org. They think if it is that what it is because I mean they have like if a dog's mouth comes near them, I mean it's over. Life ends. Life as you know it is over. I mean, and they, but it, I mean, I they believe it. It's not just mm-hmm. um, you know. I mean, it is. Well, let's, it is a very yeah, let's look at the real. Nice. Hey, yeah, let's look hey, at the real. Everybody, time yeah. out. Yep. <laughs> I need. To, I have a, a meeting that I need to get to, and if I could just make two more points before, because uh, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate being a part of it, um, but I just wanted to make two quick points, and then I kind of need to. I need to scoot over to another meeting. But uh, uh, the, the one thing I wanted to say is, I recently saw something uh, where a canine officer was shot by the suspect, and it was and it was killed, and I, it's hard to reconcile. Because I saw the comments from the um, the handler, you know, that what a brave dog because he was protecting his handler, his partner. And I thought to myself, but isn't that exactly what our dogs do? Only our dogs don't get like a 21-gun salute when they're buried and, you know, get a full ceremonial, um, you know, uh, yep. 
you know, uh, graveside yeah. service. You know what I mean? It's like our dogs are, you know, they get trashed in the media if that happens. And, and thankfully that hasn't happened to my dog, but I know that I've talked to many people that this has happened to. And uh, I just think that that's hard to reconcile where if you shoot a canine, you know, that's awful. But if uh, a police officer shoots one of our dogs, it's completely acceptable. And yet the dog doesn't know the difference and they're doing the same job, right? Is they're protecting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention really quickly, um, well, actually there's two other things. Number one, Kristen, I don't know if you want to mention the conversation that we had. We're actually, we have had some conversations with some federal legislators uh, about some possible federal legislation that we're really excited about. Um, Kristen participated in a, a teleconference last week. Uh, I've reach, actually reached out to two folks in our Nevada delegation, two representatives, to try to, to work on this because it is such an emerging issue that needs to be dealt with. But the other thing that I wasn't sure if you guys knew about is that we did an investigative series here in Las Vegas with the ABC affiliate. Um, it's Channel 13, um, KTNV, and it actually won a Genesis Award from the Humane Society of the United States uh, for the, this investigative series on police killing pets. And that's on, um, on my Nevada Voters for Animals Facebook page under the notes. Um, I cut and pasted a bunch of the information there if anybody's interested in looking at that uh, investigative series that we did. I'm very proud of that. And uh, it's certainly something where, huh? Where did you post it? It's in the notes section, you know, because it's hard to okay. pin things. So if you go yeah, to notes, there's really just a good. bunch of random really information. But the the links are there, and I think Kristen probably has the links also somewhere. But, you know, we are we are working hard uh, in Nevada anyway, and I'm glad to be participating with folks across the country now to try to, you know, to, to bring attention to and shine a light and, and, you know, try to solve this problem. But when you look you know, at Colorado, when we were – Thank you. When we were talking about the um, Democrats and Republicans, it is it is an interesting dynamic because I know I authored Cooney's Law in Nevada, which is the felony animal cruelty law. Um, before 2011, you could torture to kill your animal three times within seven years, and it would only be a misdemeanor before it would be a felony. So we, we did that. And and so, well, but that's the good and, – and believe me, I can't hardly catch my breath right now between all these felony cruelty cases – that we're working on, and those are on my page as well if people are interested in what we're doing here in Nevada. But um, anyway, uh, the, the, it was the, the legislature, when we were doing this, um, there's, there's, the votes were very partisan. And, and one of the legislators came up to me and said, do you, do you, how's it going? Do you need any help on your bill? And I said, yes. I said, the Republicans are voting against my bill. Why? This is a nonpartisan bill. And he goes, what? And he actually had to go to the assembly site and say, hey, guys, this isn't one of those partisan deals. And that's what I was very glad to see in Colorado is this is not a Democrat or Republican issue. This is a dog owner issue. This is an American issue, and we should not mm-hmm. be doing this, no matter what party you're from. So I have high hopes that when we get to 2015, I hope that we will have um, you know, full support like the Colorado legislature did in passing the Dog Protection Act. But, um, Sue, I want to thank you so much for allowing me to be part of the show. Kristen, thanks for for making that possible. And um, my Facebook page is uh, Nevada Voters for Animals, if anyone's interested or wants to get in touch with me. 
And uh, I got to get to a trapping meeting. We're working on trapping issues in Nevada also, so I got to get over to a a trapping meeting. (laughs) In Nevada, you're allowed to trap and leave an animal four days in a trap before it has to get checked. So we're trying to lessen that because fur trapping is alive and well in, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada. (laughs) I I can feel another show coming on with that one. (laughs) Oh, hey, Sue just asked me. I have time. Well, look. We just did a show. I love, I'm going to do a shout-out to my friend Sam Ratcliffe. She has the Vegas Rock Dog Radio Show. She's also from the U.K. I just love her. In fact, I'm supposed to ask you to tell me that I'm, I'm naughty. Tell me I'm naughty, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? No, let me just say to everybody, right, because before now I've actually promoted other radio shows and people go mental going, what are you doing promoting others? And I, my thing is... I am a voice for the voiceless, which means we should be connecting everybody. That means radio shows that are doing all the same thing, people, groups, whatever it may be. It's not a contest. It's about joining forces. So, yep, that's fine. I've got no problem at all. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm really glad because I actually had her. She's listening right now to your show. So, and I, she's good. She's probably, she's still listening. She probably is laughing because I joked that I was going to, have have you tell me that I'm naughty because I I love that when people with a big <laughs> say that. <laughs> but um, you know, we just did her show, and I don't know if you know, we you know we we're infamous right now with the arson puppy store case where the the puppy store owner tried to burn down the pet store with the 27 puppies, and then we had a huge legal battle over where who was going to get the 27 puppies because we were trying to get them into a rescue and fighting with shelter is big to do but yeah we have lots of animal news going on in las vegas so you let me know pick any topic and we can do a show on it <laughs> you, you are welcome anytime we must we must catch up after the show okay you'll have to give me a message and we'll i'll give you a call and have a, a you know have an answer about that and give, okay, give me excellent. a call give, give me a call or send me a message i'll come out to las vegas and we'll do a conference and an education thing I would love to. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I, I would love to do that. I, we have lots of things. Kristen, uh, you know, we're all, um, on, uh, you know, on the new page that Kristen's created, so we'll we'll be in mm-hmm. touch. But thank you, everybody, and thanks for what everybody's doing um, and working together. We absolutely will um, make progress and make change. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Dina. Listen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so so much for having me. Uh, I'll say good night now or goodbye. I'm not sure which everybody's time is a little bit different, <laughs> but I'll say bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Oh, I would like to give a quick... Okay. Sorry, carry on. Okay, I would like to give a quick update here in... Um, in Erie, Pennsylvania, I had spoken to the police chief and had asked him um, one of Jeffrey Justice's infamous questions, how many hours of verifiable dog encounter training do your officers have? And at first he goes, oh, you know, as part of the training, he said that that's something that we would consider. And the uh, Titans mom um, posted yesterday that um, she had gotten a call that they were actually going to get training. Great. Uh, hey, we will still be protesting, you- though. Yeah, you guys in, in, in Erie, uh, I'm going to be in outside Rochester in Alfred, New York in April doing two days of seminars, one for law enforcement and one for animal care people. You should come. 
Okay. How much does it cost? <laughs> um, I, do, I, I don't know off the top of my hand. It's being done through Alfred State College. Okay. Um, I'll be there the 24th and 25th of April. April 24 and 25 in Alfred State College outside Rochester, which is only, I awesome. think, about an hour from you. Oh, yeah. No, Buffalo is I, not I'll send it to you. I think I sent out an email of that a few days ago. Didn't I, Jim? I, I don't remember. Um, you might have. I'll, I'll, I'll re-look. But the thing is, is we will continue to keep protesting. Um, it was funny because the um, chief had said the protesters were great because they didn't bother anybody. They did what they needed to do, and they went home. And I said, well, that's great. I said, because we're doing it again on the 29th. I guess we'll see you there. <laughs> um, but he said he respects, he respects our right to protest, which is great. And now if he, we're still going to protest, even though we've got news, he's considering, and um, we had given, I had told Kristen what he had said about considering, so he gave it, she gave it over to Cindy Bolin, who is, I guess, very, very good at convincing them to do what they're supposed to. So I was like, I opened the door, just pushed him through. So, but we will continue to protest only because they can say what they want to get the heat off. And yeah. We are going to keep doing it until the news goes to them after they've talked to us and they say, okay, we have training in place, and then that's when we'll stop. We also, I, I encourage anyone who's had their um, their babies, you know, shot by police to also check the news reports because this one said that Titan had been roaming the neighborhood often. He just got there that day. That's not true. Or that he had been a postman, which was not true. It was not Titan. They did not check those facts. So that what happens is that you have a bunch of people that might be on the um, side of the police because they believe, hey, if it happens, it's because you're irresponsible. Um, yeah. And... And so then there's a lot of dissent, and then they're attacking the owner. And here, it was reported wrong. And that can be used in, in lawsuits and cases and, and even decisions on whether or not a DA charges. So we have to make sure that when they write these articles, it has to be right. If it's not right, then we need to call them and send them a letter and tell them they need a retraction. Yeah. <clears throat> because they, you can't just say, oh, well, he, he bit a postman. It wasn't him. Who did you check by? And I even saw with the Justice for Cali case, um, somebody had emailed someone else, a news reporter, that says, we're not covering this. Because, um, you know, neighbors have said that the dog was vicious. Okay, where did you get that information from the police? Did the police tell you neighbors said that? Or did the neighbors themselves tell you that? That is very important because the police will manipulate the situation in order to push their own agenda. It's safe well, for them to shoot a dog. Even if someone reports it as vicious, why did they report a dog as vicious? Because they chased the bike? Or because they, you know what I mean? What do they actually attack someone? I mean, often um, these reports are given out, and no, and there never was an altercation that it took place. You have to just find right, that someone, someone, something happened where someone got scared, or you know. Um, but you'll often find that there were, there actually was never an actual event that Incident. took place. Right. So, I mean, you really have to. I mean. Sometimes I get, you know, I get slowed down entering stories because I have to make phone calls to get that information because so much is reported wrong. I mean, there was one case that literally took me a month because so there were so many there were so many inaccuracies. It took me that long to get all of the correct information on it. And um, but it was one of those Columbia shootings. And uh, so I mean, it's it's really 
I mean, you're right. It's really hard to get accurate information. You know, people love to just spout out, you know, random things. Oh, yeah, that, you know, that dog's mean or whatever, but there's nothing to to back it up. There's no substantiating evidence for it, you know, and it's just an opinion, um, and which could be, you know, because of the way the dog looks, you know, it could be a whole, I mean, there's so many things that, ha- you know, people really have to look into it. And, first and you look at the Rottweiler. And if you look at the Rottweiler, it has very specific characteristics. So if you have 10 Rottweilers, you wouldn't know which one was which sometimes. You know what I mean? Maybe size and so on and so forth. And there are other Rottweilers in that area. So even even the fact that the news media was not responsible enough to call animal control and only called the police. The postman must have thought it was the same dog, and that's fine. That's not his fault. Rottweilers are very, you know, the rust and the brown. That's characteristic. He's not going to get close enough and find out what his name is on his tag if you treat him, of course. (laughs) Or say what's your name, you can't tell him. So instead of the police, I mean, maybe it would have taken too long um, for the police to to investigate it before they went to the house, but after the fact, the news had a responsibility to check with animal control, who investigates all bites that were reported, who does all of that. And, you know, they they go and they just see, oh, Rottweiler bit last week, and automatically they think it's him, or, oh, that Rottweiler that I saw right on the news, that Rottweiler's running the area free all the time. Well, how could he, and he didn't even live over there. So they have to start checking into things. And even the police officers, they asked the neighbor, and the neighbor said, oh, they just moved in last week. It was a Saturday, so maybe she thought Friday was the week before. Or maybe the dogs had just got there Friday, but they had been moving in all week, you know, previously. So they knew he was new to the area. Sorry, can I just ask, because obviously I'm in the U.K., right, and I'm I'm not 100% how it would work here, so I'm going to look into this. But if, if, for instance, then in the U.S., you get, um, say, for instance, there's a dog that's running everywhere and it gets put through to the police. How does your system work? Have you got one phone number that you ring and, it, it, and they deal with it and they choose who it's forwarded to? Or does it just go to the police and they decide if they want to put it on to an animal control officer? How does it work? Sure. I believe that's the case. Here. Anyway, Neary. Yeah. Uh, some places well, yeah. work differently than others. Um, for instance, in the in the jurisdiction where I were in animal control, if you called the police and it was an animal call, they switched you over to animal control. Um, you know, so we then got the call from the police dispatchers. In other cases, in other places, there's a second number, but there's usually even in those cases a, a method where if you call in on an animal case, the police then transfer you or flip you over to uh, uh, the, to the animal control division because typically if they have animal control, animal control handles all the animal cases instead of tying up the knots. Because my, my question is, is the, obviously there was obviously a report that there was a dog run loose or there's something goes off. Why are the police sent out anyway? Is it literally because there is not an animal control officer there? Or is it because the police are just taking upon themselves to do these jobs instead of forwarding it on to animal control? No, I think it's that they're sending, they're sending, they're oftentimes sending the police officers because uh, the police officers might be closer and they're perceiving some of these calls as being an immediate safety threat when they really, they get there and then find out they really aren't, or they should be recognizing that they're really not. 
you know, if you have a dog that's just standing in front of a place barking a few times, then you, you should be able to simply stand still and wait and wait till the animal control officer gets there. Uh, in other and that's places, yeah, and, and in other places, the police are the animal control, so there's nobody else to call, so that's who they're going to send out. Um, one of the cases of the shootings, uh, the police were the animal control, and they got there and found out and found that their their catch pole wasn't working. Well, that kind of limited, you know, the ability to do that. But then this dog that was sitting across the sidewalk, uh, up against some bushes very close to where it lived that was not really threatening anybody, they pulled out an assault rifle and just executed it on the spot. Um, so that, that's definitely a policy and training lack there. But in most cases, um, the police may be closer, but they can, uh, again, with, with my agency, the police used to stand by all the time until our guys got there and then said, okay, it's your problem, and they'd leave. Yeah. Crazy. So, right, I'm going to have to um, go on to another caller because I've got another couple of callers waiting that want to fetch on. I don't know who they are, so we're just going to go to those. So let me just, um, uh, area code 404. Hi, welcome to the show. Area code 404, are you there? No, let's just put them on hold for a minute. Uh, Area code 817. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. It's Cindy. Hi, Cindy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been listening to you all. Interesting discussion. Hi, Miss Cindy. I think I have to say now, huh? Hi, Kristen. And is that Jim talking? Jim Crosby? Yes. I'm here. Hi. Hi. I'm just joining in. I've been listening to you all for about 15 minutes. It's uh, It's a good conversation. Uh, Cindy, I'm sure you want to add a few points to in, so come on, you have your speak. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't. I not really. Um, I I could add to, and you know, I, I know in uh, Tarrant County regarding animal calls, people dial 911 and the police are, are called because they're first responders, and unless they call the animal control number, that's where it goes. And animal control isn't available after 5.30 during the week, and they're not available during the weekend. So police are the first responders. Mm-hmm. That's how it is here, too. For, yeah, for any animal so calls. I, um, so. so I wonder how many dogs could have actually been saved then. If, we, if one, you'd have had a stronger animal control officer force, and also how many hours of police time would have been saved if you'd have had animal control there too. Oh, well, Sue, in Fort Worth, after Lily was killed, uh, Chief Halstead mandated that police officers do not respond to animal calls unless it's an animal call of life or death, whether it's the animal or a person, and there have been those, and there have been justified shootings. And maybe what Jim and you don't know is in December there was uh, there were two dogs shot but the first shot that was fired was to disperse the dogs that were on top of a man, and the second shot was killed one dog, and the third was killed another, and the third dog got away. But the man was in the hospital for two weeks. Um, but but those calls are the ones that the police can respond to. But how many dogs could be saved? I know that most of the cases that I see um, 
are people who did not expect police to be at their on their property because of an animal. Yeah, and I and I'd have to say if you know if if a police officer comes up and there's a group of dogs actively attack you know mauling and on yeah. top of somebody intervening with necessary force to save somebody's life is fully reasonable. Nobody mm-hmm. is going to yeah. argue sure. that oh he should yeah. have gone up and thrown a milk bone. I'm sorry because <laughs> reasonable life threatening situation. Right. And when it comes down to it. Tim. The point being, though, because of this officer's animal encounter training or canine encounter training, he didn't walk up and just start killing the dogs. He mm-hmm. walked up and tried first to disperse them. And I told Steve Hall that that just, uh, that just was thrilling to me because he immediately contacted me to say, Cindy, there's more to this story. Um, excellent. So, yeah, and it's, I know and it's excellent that he, that he used the information reacted mm-hmm. in a in a professional and kept his head reacted mm-hmm. professionally and it sounds like he also took efforts to make sure that when he did shoot at the dogs that his field of fire was clear and he wasn't endangering the citizen that was already down right he was in and that's control. what i was thinking yeah he was in control of what he was doing in a very horrible situation so and that's you know perfect. the officers i think jim what we're, what i am learning and talking to law enforcement is the problem, at least uh, talking to law enforcement in this area, is with the young officers. Um, it, it seems time and time I talk to a, a seasoned law, um, officer that has said, I've had a dog hanging off my arm and didn't kill it. Uh, you know, I've had, I, I've had a dog ha- hanging on my leg and didn't kill it. But these young people, and they'll say, they tell me, well, these young re- recruits coming in, they have all these different ideas about what's right and what's wrong. And, mm-hmm. I, I and that's know, where you need to standardize training. That. Yeah, yeah, that's where exactly. you need to standardize training and teach mm-hmm. them to think before they act. Well, Chief, Paul think that, told, Chief Paul said told me when I was contemplating the legislation being that they have to do it in basic training before they even get their Leo license. He said, Cindy, once they're, they're <coughs> hired, we tell them forget everything you learned and we're going to tell you how we do it in our department. And he said it needs to be within the department, the training, because basic training, um, we tell them to forget it. This is how we do it. Because each department and then has you a need to policy. Re- yeah, and you need to refresh that training every year or two to remind them of what they're supposed to do. Use of force training with people, they go over that every single year when you, re- when, when you get your in-service training. Every time you go, there's a section on the newest laws, the newest tools, the newest policies, and, and reminding you of how to use it properly. Well, in Texas, that's not partic- there are four criteria that's mandated training, and most of it is at the basic recruit, uh, it's the basic law officer level. And mm-hmm. those that, that are advanced law officers um, or intermediate, the only mandated training that they have, other than, of course, firearm use and, and, and testing, is mm-hmm. uh, mandated training on the updated laws regarding law enforcement. So yeah, but you see, I the firearms think, training, the firearms training yeah. includes legal use of force, and that would be the, okay, the yeah, okay. easy place to put it, because okay. they're... Well, they, that's mandated too, so I would agree that it's pro, it, that it's in there. But 
our legislation will be and how to use it. Our our legislation will be mandating this as you know everyone has to take it and everyone has to retake it every other in service training cycle. Excellent. And do you think people that? has to review it every uh, four years, has to review the, the curriculum. And I, my thinking is that gives time to gather statistics to see mm-hmm. the effectiveness of the training. Excellent. Do you think that one of the main reasons why this is becoming such an epidemic is because there is no accountability for it? If they can get away with it, I mean, if they shoot a human, there's obviously a review. Most, a lot of times, just like in the Kelly Thomas case in Fullerton, California, they deem it's justified in no excessive force, even though he's beaten the head with a flashlight 50 times. Um, and that's an over-exaggeration, but it's still a lot of times to be hit in the head. Um, but there's no accountability for it. They can, and, and how do you clearly, that's where we need citizens review boards in these cases also, because how does one agency investigate another agency of its same type? It's like investigating yourself. You can say, hey, did you do anything wrong? No, I was okay. Um, there's no accountability. You need outside review boards because you can't, you, occupational solidarity, thin blue codes of silence, all of those will dictate that they stick together. They have each other's lives in each other's hands. And that's not good for us when it comes to these types of atrocities because it keeps happening. It keeps happening because there's no accountability. Accountability is the only way to stop it. You're right. Who's speaking? Who is, who is that? Oh, who is that uh, my, my name is Heather from Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm Heather oh, from Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. Okay. I heard you talking that you talk, spoke to the police chief again, and Kristen had asked me to call him, and I've been waiting on some information from Jim Osario, so I was more informed. But did I also hear you say that he has already he has already agreed to do the training, and, and perhaps you don't need me to call or want me to call him? Um, I definitely would like you to push him through the open door. I don't know because okay. um, it was posted by Titan's mom that um, she said, all I want is training, and it looks, I got a call that said that that's what I'm going to get. But we're not going to hold our breath because they can say that to make us go away. I'm not going away until you put it out there for the media to say, so then the whole public can hold you accountable because you said this. It's not in writing. I wouldn't, you know, it's I'm not worth it. I'm certainly happy to call him. Um, but we've got Jim Crosby on the phone, and it just and, and I'm not pushing it off on anybody, but it just makes a whole hell of a lot more sense for Jim Crosby to call him. Jim. Jim. <laughs> well, uh, let me say this. Uh, hang on, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, t- I actually put you on mute. Um, oh, sure. I'd be happy. <laughs> I, 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 I had to put the dog out, so I didn't want to, yeah. to have a whole bunch of noise. Um, yeah, mine's been coming in too. Yeah, I'd be happy to t- to talk with him uh, at, at at any point, and you know, I know Jim Osorio does training. I also do training, and we're, we're working and we're working on trying to um, to get a, a a program put put in that people can reach out to or all around the country. So you know, well, I'd I would be, love I'd to be, see I would love to see you and Jim Osorio become one. Well, we're 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 we're, we're Working on hooking that up together. Um, uh, our, our schedules have been weird. I'm actually talking to you from the Bahamas right now. Oh, what but, a shame. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Um, but I'll be back in the <laughs> next week, and I'm hoping that Jim and I can, can get it together 
uh, fairly soon. Kristen's been trying to to put us together and be able to develop kind of a a, a standard curriculum that when the ideally would be to train the trainers around the country so that uh, mm-hmm. we can get police departments kind of on the on the same page all across the uh, uh, right. the, yes. the whole the law enforcement. And the fact that you're both, you both have law enforcement background, um, yeah. because it, that's what's attractive, and that's what I hear, and that's why here in Texas, at least, because those are the people I talk to the most, are willing to talk to Jim because he has a background, and mm-hmm. instead of they, they don't, they already um, <laughs> protected from someone they think is some fanatic. And Jim knows how to talk to them, and, and I've sat through his class. So a lot, they are already believing they have someone that can relate to what they go through. Um, yeah, and, 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 I, and, and I'd say that that's very true. When I walk into a class, you know, and, and, and people, a bunch of cops are standing there, and one of the first things they say is, you know, and not to disrespect anybody, but look, I'm no tree hugger out here that's running around telling you what to do. I've been through too many mm-hmm. of those classes. Been there, done that, got the badge in my pocket, been in your shoes, been shot at, been thrown at, been in fights. Mm-hmm. I know what's going on. So let's talk about what really works and not about this academic stuff that somebody has uh, decided sitting at their desk somewhere would be a nice idea. Mm-hmm. Because we all know, know that that crap usually doesn't work. Of course. And that, that Jim- really, and whether it's, whether it's teaching about use of force or teaching officers how to investigate fatal dog attacks or teaching them uh, how to look at aggression cases, having been both in the capacity of a retired cop and a former animal control director and a behavior person, um, suddenly when, when they get a, when I, when I throw them a couple of the good gory crime scene pictures up and they go, oh, crap, dog bite, then suddenly yeah, we're this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Well, let me ask your opinion, and I think Kristen may or may not have shared some some flack that's going around, and I hear it about Jim Osteria because he's the person I know. But criticism that having former law enforcement or people that have ha- have a law enforcement background of some type teaching this class, teaching cops how to lie about the killing. That's no. all the that's all they do. If you get an ex-cop in there teaching the class, then you're, they're just going to teach the cops how to lie about it. This is a this is a, what I'm hearing, and I'm going, where the heck did this person fall off of? You know? Okay. Well, my I first can, thought I is they never met Jim Crosby because he is honest. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you where yeah. some of that comes from because I will tell you, having personally sat through classes. That, for instance, in some places, um, they're informing officers about um, the use of force, deadly force against human beings. That in some places, and I know this directly, not, I'm not saying my, my former agency, but other agencies I've, I've had reason to be involved with, they sit there and they, they simply explain to the officers how to properly elucidate after the fact what what things that they think or should have seen or should have said happened in order to cover their butts. That ain't the way I play. Um, and, and I don't know that anybody's teaching that out there uh, with the dogs. Um, I haven't been through Jim's class and Jim sounds like he's pretty together. Um, that is not what, what, yeah, that's, that's not what, the whole eight hours. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's not what he's teaching as far as I know. That's definitely not right. what I teach because, you know, there, there, yeah, there are jerks out there, but there are also some an, enough of us out there that are really, you know, honest and dedicated. And I believe yeah. in calling mm-hmm. it like it is and um, saying, okay, you know, again, I'm, I'm not going to tell them you're never going to shoot a dog because I'm also mm-hmm. not going to tell them they're, ever, they're never going to shoot a person. It would be nice yeah. if we get through our career without doing either one. But we have to make sure that if we do something like that, that it is we have done the best we could do to find another way. Well, I think that we need to, I don't know, I try not to take up time being angry. It it takes up time I can be productive. Um, And somehow after talking with you, and I know Jim Osterio, um, when these, these people, these these uninformed people go in that direction, I, my immediate concern is they're going to thwart our, our production, our, like they're going, to, they're going to do damage the legislation in Texas because we're hearing that. So somehow um, I, I tend to want to ignore those people and, and maybe they'll go away, but they don't always. So I think then the way to address it is perhaps we can say, why don't, why don't we set up a conference call and you can be, become informed? Um, mm-hmm. but, in, but in reality, what I would like to say is, well, you're uninformed and not set up a conference call because they're not particularly people I want even involved in any of this, but we have to perhaps take time to change their minds. Well, all we can do is our best to try to professionalize things and to set standards. Mm-hmm. And just simply hope that, that, that the people on the receiving end will, will recognize the difference between those people who are actually trying to do the right thing and those who are, that, who are not. And, um, well, and you have to remember some people, you know, some people really just like to live in the problem. You know, some people don't want to live in the solution. Oh, and you point. have to just move Great. on past oh, sure. those people, you know, and, and just remember, don't let them inhibit you and don't let them get in your way because you're a rock star. <laughs> Yeah, what a good exactly. point, Kristen. And, 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 yeah, and and that touchy. Well, well, Jim, um, what do you? What's your opinion on? And I'm sorry, I forgot your name from Pennsylvania, but it's my my opinion in short term because I want to know yours. Is I think that mandated training is a huge first step towards bringing accountability. The accountability that does make the difference in stopping these shootings what does, what's your opinion in the connection between accountability and the mandate i agree completely and we've got yeah. they're pushing for account for for uh mandated training in pennsylvania we're pushing for it in colorado um a case and that i you just need got the training before you can create the policy you know right There's well and, and the, the, the policy people and the training people need to get together so that we establish a sane rational, reasonable, progressive policy, and then train that policy. And we make it, but let's say right now, for instance, there was a a shooting down in uh, L.A. County in a place called Pico Rivera. Um, uh, I sent in a report on that, and 48 hours later, the, uh, the department agreed to settle. Part of that settlement is mandated training for the, uh, for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. So that's a huge step. They're going to be, be mandating training. And we're uh, in Washington State, where I recently had a case up there, 
hopefully one of the fallouts from that case, because we won, is going to be training going on in Washington State. So these kinds of this, this is kind of a hand in glove thing that we can use these civil actions to, mm -hmm. to hold officers and departments and entire states responsible for what they're doing while using that in, as a good tool to make uh, policy and training decisions. Um, the, one of the departments where I recently taught, not only did the chief after a shooting, which um, they, 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 they recognized the problems, he reached out to me, had me come in, had me do the training, and has changed his policies uh, before being sued or being put in a position right. because exactly. even though it's a small town, he's a progressive chief, and he wants to make sure that his guys are doing things the way they should be. And, right. and that's what? huge. And, and that's how, you know, if, whether it takes a, a $1.2 million lawsuit uh, like the Hells Angels had or simply a settlement where they say, okay, we'll, we'll agree to do the training. We're setting the standards across the U.S. that everybody, we're, we're setting up the bar that everybody is going to finally have to start at least acknowledging if not trying to meet. And that's going to devalue a lot of this I, civil work. Jim, am I, I misinformed or misthinking that, that the mandating by department, that's wonderful. That's what we have. We're, we're, you know, we're getting, as, mm -hmm. we're wait, as I'm waiting on legislation, I'm working on each agency. But until it's legislation, Fort Worth can change chiefs. A new chief oh, yeah. can come in and say, and, and stop it. So we oh, yeah. know oh, every state has that legislation. Right, and it's got to be a two-fisted a two thing. At one point, you push the individual departments, but then at the other point, you come in, whether it be at the state or even at the federal level, and you smack them from above so that those departments that don't have the good faith to be trying to do it or the sense to respond to a $600,000 or a $1.2 million judgment will, mm -hmm. will get on board. Exactly. I, I totally the purpose for me trying to go agency by agency right now waiting for our legislation legislative session to come up in 2015 is the more agencies that are already doing it the more support we'll have on the legislation because they're saying well I'm already doing it and I've already I've drafted the bills that if they have taken Jim Osiris course already they don't have to take it till their next training cycle. So all of Perfect. these 4,000 officers are not going to have to be retrained. So the agencies are not going to put up resistance, um, hopefully, to the legislation. And I think it's one step at a time, and it's, I, I think these steps are, 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 are logical. I, yes, I totally agree with getting, getting um, the training and first with accountability, like with um, Titan's case, right now we are, you know, doing a protest. Um, pretty soon we'll probably do a call-in protest. We have a petition out and so on and so forth. And the main thing that I think that has to be handled immediately is the most dangerous part. The accountability takes years. If you wait until they, and maybe sometimes in, such as you said, um, 
Jim, that sometimes it's right away, but other times it takes forever in order to get accountability in place. We have to um, address the immediate need, and that's to prevent it from happening further. So our oh, yeah. goal, and I'm not, I'm not a legal guru, so I, I can't, I mean, I know about the Fourth Amendment and stuff like this, where this is a violation through research, but I make sure that the main goal through our protests and our page and so on and so forth is to emphasize clear and unequivocally that they need training. And that is yes. the first step because prevent, we can't stop what happened to Titan and already did, but we can prevent it from happening again. And I leave the accountability to the lawyers. And I'm, I'm the activist that tries to make the change here to what needs to be done in order to stop it from happening again. The biggest thing is people want to use the problem as the solution. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, we, it, it, needs to, it has to be a multifaceted attack. Um, Absolutely. Holding accountability now, insisting on training now, and then going through the legislative uh, ability or, or the legislative right. process to, to, to make the, the guys with the bigger sticks mandate the training. And um, also establishing reasonable standards of, of acceptable behavior, both through mm-hmm. setting the training and through these court cases that are setting what's reasonable and what's not. So, yeah, I agree. It's got to be, it's it's got to come in from all directions. Right. And it's so multifaceted and this is such a great movement because there's so many different people with great connections. I'm the rat rouser out there. I will make a sign and I will go and out protest the police department in a heartbeat and I will take people with me if that's what I need to do. And that's my job is, is to rile them up and say, Hey, look, we need training and get, you know, a public following to say that. I leave the legal stuff to the lawyers, which is great that there are lawyers on there. And then you have Kristen, who's absolutely awesome with the referrals that she does and, and the knowledge that she has. And, um, Cindy, I don't know you personally, but I've heard awesome things about all of you, actually. And you're really good at, you know, talking to them about setting up the training and so on and so forth. I mean, not just one person can make the changes that are needed here. I mean, there's a whole lot of people that are very needed and have, you know, but in different areas. And have different skills and different, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what's going to make it powerful. And don't we wish we were all here two years ago? I know, right? Yes. Well, we weren't. We have got two, hour, two minutes left of a two hour show, and I can't believe how fast it's gone. <laughs> Thank you, too, for doing this. Thank you so much. Well, we'll be doing some more shows as well and trying to bring uh, – what we need to do is, you know, we need to bring, get all of these links together so we can actually put it on the um, radio show uh, website as well because, you know, we need to get these people knowing of all these things and obviously we need to, people to know what's happening in their area so that they can support you guys as well because you're all doing a fantastic job and it's brilliant to hear. Thank you. Okay, so I well, started so. talking um, and I didn't do my totals. But I did want to mention um, a research article I came across that had um, it, the point of the research was to and it was an analysis of SWAT teams and their use of force, and um, a byproduct of that research were the shooting of dogs. It was not an intent; it was just um, it was something that that came out and had to be reported. And I and just as the sample size they used, I mean, they were, they were shooting over 8,000 dogs a year. 
Wow. And that was just of a sample size of SWAT teams. We're not even talking other, you know, police departments. Um, so I thought I'd throw that out there since I am, I stopped adding because I was listening. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right, well, guys, I've got... I've got to say a big good night to all of you. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining us tonight. It's been a fantastic show. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thanks everyone. for having us on, Sue. Talk to you later. Okay, and, and be good, I'll guys. You, and Bye-bye. I hope we all see you in, in, in London. Yes. <laughs> yes. When's, we, need to, we need to have all them dates off you, Jim, so we can put it out there for you, too. I think you've all gone. Okay, thanks very much, guys. And uh, I would like to tell you all to um, go and have a look at the website. It's com. That's com. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.